Welcome. This is the EPO Next Gen podcast. I'm Nate McConnon, and today my guest is Blaine Tasfai. Blaine Tasfai moved to Ethiopia around nine years ago, uh, following a path through the fields of communications and marketing for multinational businesses, establishing a footprint in the growing Ethiopian market. She's now the co-founder of True Love Granola, through which she seeks to fuel meaningful experiences with convenient, nutritious, and natural snacks snacks infused with the flavors of Ethiopia and crafted with love. Blaine, it's a pleasure to have you on today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Honestly, it's a pleasure. Um, And for for anyone that doesn't know who you are, I mean, they should know who you are. if you could just sort of give us a little backstory, you know, how you got into where you are now, uh, you know, where you were born and raised, and just, just give us a little bit of a background into who you are. Sure. Um, so I always say this, but you need to cut me off. If you need to, go ahead. Uh, please do, because I can talk for a long time. Okay. Um, but basically, I was born in the U.S., um, born and raised. I grew up in the D.C. area um, in Maryland. And my first time coming to Ethiopia was when I was around 15 years old, um, with you know, doing a family trip, doing the whole tour around the country. And that experience really kind of changed my life um, because my experience of Ethiopia till that point had really just been through my family and through you know, their reflections of the culture and the experience. So getting to see firsthand what Ethiopia is all about, how the culture is, what life is like here, it, it really inspired me. Um, so I knew that Ethiopia would have some role in my life. Um, I just didn't know what or how. Um, and I mean, I think that's kind of the theme of my career is not knowing what or how, but things just end up kind of working out. Um, in university, I did an internship in Ethiopia for a summer, so that gave me a little insight into what working here was like. Um, and then in my senior year of university, I helped uh, co-found a project that would bring U.S. college students to Ethiopia to do internships, because I thought it was important that Um, especially young diaspora Ethiopians would have the chance to see what working and living in Ethiopia would be like. Um, I knew that it was an important experience for me. So basically I was supposed to come to Ethiopia right after graduation to oversee the first cohort of these university students. Um, So I came to Ethiopia about seven days after graduating. Um, And, you know, I was like, maybe one year older than these students and had to like show them around despite not knowing my way around myself. Um, And the plan was I was supposed to, you know, manage this program for the summer, go back to the US, get a real job, you know, grow up. Um, But, you know, come August, I wasn't ready to leave. And that's not to say that when I first came to Ethiopia, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I think the first month and a half, two months were really challenging for me um, in terms of understanding the way things work and, um, you know, getting a grip on like the social situation and everything. It was it was a big challenge. Um, And I also don't have much family here. So most of my family is in the U.S. So I think that was also something different. Um, what about um, language? Um, do you speak the language fluently? What's your fluency like? My fluency is very non-fluent. Okay. Um, so when I came to Ethiopia, I could understand a bit, um, but couldn't really speak. And I still don't really speak unless, um, unless 
no one I care about is listening. Um, my employees get to hear a lot of like crazy Amharic um, <laughs> and, and they roll with it. So I appreciate them for that. Right. Um, but it's definitely uh, improved. But I did learn to read and write when I was in fifth grade um, at, you know, an Ethiopian church. So mm -hmm. I'm very appreciative of that skill because it makes things a little easier, even though I'm still super slow reading. Okay. Okay. So you, you saw, you saw some challenges on the ground. Things weren't, you know, straight. It wasn't like you just found it very easy straight away. There was a bit of a transition, uh, but you just kind of went with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think like Ethiopia will always give you nice opportunities to transition and be challenged. You know, so I said the first few months were challenging. I, I kept extending. I mean, I think that's kind of the diaspora way of easing into Ethiopia is extending your return ticket. So I was going to return in August. <laughs> and then in September, you know, let's, let's wait for Ethiopian New Year. And then let's give it to December. And, you know, I found, you know, an opportunity to do some work and get paid to kind of cover my lifestyle. So I, I did that until... I could kind of suss out what was next for me career-wise. I mean, I was fresh out of university. I mean, you know, I'd done internships, but fresh out of university, you're relatively useless. Um, so you really have to explore and, and see where you can add value. But I felt like I need to be here. This is where things are happening. This is where I can make a difference. You know, if I go back to the States, I'm going to be doing, I'll be doing something. And, you know, I, I'm sure I could find meaning out of it, but um, I just felt like the proportion of impact would be much higher here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I see exactly what you're saying. A lot of people say the same thing, you know, the relative impact is it, it's, it's night and day. You know, you're a small fish in a big pond in, in, in the States or in Europe, you go to Ethiopia, you can actually, you know, you can see it's, it's much more tangible. It's much more visceral. You know, you do a small thing, you see the impact straight away. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's very interesting. And what was, what's really stood out to me there is that, you know, you came to Ethiopia to do an internship. Did I get that right? To, to you, run an internship program. To run an internship program. So, so did you actually do an internship before that, did you say? I did while I was in university. I right. Did. And that was in the US or was it in Ethiopia? Oh, I mean, I had done a number of internships, but I did a full summer internship in Ethiopia. Right, right. So, so what, what stood out to me is that you've done that internship and you've wanted to pass that on. So you wanted, you wanted other people to experience what you'd experience, which I think is very, very commendable, very interesting. Okay, so let's talk about the pivot towards kind of uh, true love granola, how that kind of came about. And, you know, because a lot of people ask questions, you know, when they see someone with a business, they say, you know, how, how did you even think to get there? And, and there's a, you know, from my own personal experience, I can say that there are a chain of sort of reactions or there's like a, a chain of unexpected events that kind of lead link onto each other and you end up in a place that maybe you didn't plan uh, to be you know but um, maybe you could tell us a bit a little, a little bit about how you actually came to true love granola absolutely I mean like I said I don't think I don't think any taking any of the steps I took would necessarily lead me to owning a business it wasn't a clear trajectory. Um, from what I studied in undergrad, which was anthropology and Africana studies, not business related at all, um, to you know this internship program, and I was very much NGO and nonprofit focused. Mm -hmm. uh, positive impact was something that I was really passionate about. I wasn't 
you know, a capitalist by any means. I wasn't like, I need to get out there and make money. Um, so there was no point in my life where I thought I would definitely run a business. But um, like you said, it is a series of steps that brings you, that brings you there. So I worked in a marketing and communications agency when I, early on when I moved to Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. um, from there, I worked for a multinational drinks company doing communications and corporate social responsibility. Um, and I, I guess the real story of it is this, this place was a brewery that was an hour drive outside of Atlas. So you basically drove an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. And, you know, there's probably even longer with traffic in the evenings. And we're in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, there were no options for food. And I'm like, at least back then, I was one of those people that like, if I don't eat at regular intervals, I start to like lose it. <laughs> um, so on the, on the road back, there are just these, you know, tiny souks that maybe have chips or biscuits, nothing particularly healthy, sometimes bananas. But right. um, funny story is that there were a lot of monkeys in this brewery. So like, you don't want to have bananas just sitting around. Um, <laughs> the target right. um so I, I just was kind of personally wishing that i had granola bars um mm -hmm. those are something that i had grown up eating they were convenient relatively healthy um you know and something that i was used to kind of snacking on so i thought that i could just experiment making them um and I did, and they were ugly, and they were like not great. But I kept working on it, and it was just sorry. So when you when you say you're working on it, so did you actually do that from home, or did you set up a small sort of pilot space, or how how did you actually go about doing that? Oh, that was from home. Yeah, oh, from home. Okay, just okay. The ingredients that were around. I didn't mm. look up any recipes, and I'm not a chef by any means. Like if I were to cook. For you you would not be impressed <laughs> um, but i you know it was something that i really wanted for myself and something that kept nagging at me so like you know every day i would go to work and then i would kind of keep thinking about this problem and thinking that i must not be the only one facing this problem and by that point i had been living in ethiopia for five years so it felt like if there really were another solution to this problem i would have found it by now and mm -hmm. there's out there so let me give it a try and while I was still working for this company I kept kind of developing the idea from like the product to then I came up with a brand name and came up with a logo and then the packaging and like it was just you know a project I was working on mm -hmm. but before I knew it it was what I was really excited about every day um, and then um, you know I started talking about it to people close to me um, and for the most part, they were really supportive. They kind of thought it was funny, like granola in Ethiopia, but they were also <laughs> really supportive. And it was very much like, why not give it a try? Um, so I did quit my job after maybe six months of tinkering with the idea. Uh, it was really too soon. Like if I know what I know about business now, if I had known, mm. I would quit. I would have kept working for a while because I had no idea whether there was really a big enough market to support a business or not. Right. Um, but I just felt like I had to pursue this and give it my all. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want to, I want to uh, pick up on something you said that, you know, there were people that said, uh, you know, granola in Ethiopia, really like, you know, and so kind of 
almost even going a little bit further back in time to when you decided to, to move to Ethiopia. Um, I know, if, again, from my own experiences, and I've seen it with other people as well, there are people who are encouraging to, uh, to ideas and, you know, brave moves and, you know, these kind of wacky ideas or whatever. And then there are those who are kind of more... Um, you know, I don't want to say dis- you know, discourage you, but maybe they have a little bit more of a tentative approach. They think that, you know, you're heading into the fire and they try to dissuade you or put you off um, making a certain, you know, those kind of big decisions. And I think it's important to have both. I think it is, there is, there is utility in having a bit of a balanced perspective on things, but how was it for you when you say, for example, when you said, I'm going to move to Ethiopia, did you have, was it mostly support from people or was it mostly, you know, or was, oh, how was that, you know, was family saying, you know, don't do it for X, Y, you know, X, Y, and Z reason, or was it, you know, so how, how did you find that in terms of the encouragement or the, you know, the lack of encouragement? Well, I mean, I think one thing that made it easier for both my family and for myself is that I never made a big decision to move. I came here for two months and just kind of stayed. So it wasn't ever like, ah, I'm moving. Of course, slowly, everybody, including myself, realized I had moved here, you know, just over time. Um, So I think that made it easier. Um, But I think for my parents, it was probably a big shock um, because it wasn't part of the plan. It wasn't like, okay, you are going to be living in Ethiopia forever, far away from us, far Mm -hmm. away from most of your family. They they never had expected that. Um, But... I think they were pretty supportive. I think, you know, of course, initially there was a bit of skepticism and, um, but at the same time, you know, they were like, give it a try. If it doesn't work out, come back. Like, you know, there's not, I'm a young person. I don't have too much to lose. There's not much risk involved. So like, give it a try. Um, I know there were a lot of like phone calls where you know i would talk to my mom or my parents and say like i don't know what i'm doing here everything is so hard and they're like yeah we don't know what you're doing there <laughs> but, yeah i mean i think they were they were confused and then supportive and i mean i think especially with like immigrant families having left it can be a little confusing to be like well we raised you in america with all these opportunities and now you're going back there mm-hmm. um but i mean i think now I see, you know, a lot of pride, like my grandmother, you know, having never like, you know, seen me growing up in Ethiopia, like we, I, I had never been here to have a granddaughter that's in Ethiopia with a business, like she loves it. And she yeah, tells yeah. I'm sure, time. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think they're always, you know, skeptics, but understanding that for the most part, they're coming from a good place. Um, is really helpful yeah yeah no that's very interesting and um i think like you say there's always going to be skeptics but you know one of the things is that there's a generational aspect to it as well like you say you know our parents a lot of us in the diaspora community have left ethiopia for whatever reason but it's it's not often a positive reason that they've left um and so when they see their children pivoting back to ethiopia i think they have a bit of a conflict where they're happy but they're also concerned and a bit confused. So um, it's really, it's really good to see you've obviously got, you know, supportive parents and, and I think that that can be very, uh, very helpful. Um, but you've kind of, you've trailblazed and done, done what you needed to do, which is uh, very, very, very good. Um, okay. So the next question I, I wanted to ask was um, to do with the company and its current situation. So obviously we're, we're facing a global 
pandemic or you know we're being told there's a pandemic and there's this uh, there's a sort of shutdown shutdowns taking place left right and center and you know one of the first you know obviously everyone gets affected in their own way but i know businesses get affected very you know are impacted in a, in a significant way especially companies that are linked to say you know they need tourism or you know if, if certain sectors are going to be hit very hard how have you sort of been navigating these very unusual times um, you know, because it, it's not only to do with COVID, it's really just that um, it's more about how do we face existential threats to our business or things that we're passionate about. And I think, you know, nobody's perfect. We're going to have struggles. We're going to have pains. And I think there's a lot of value that we can get from hearing from people like yourself and, and you know, who have to face these, these, these threats. And, and so how have you managed it? Uh, did it kind of blindside you? And so what, what steps are you taking to mitigate uh, against this this current situation um yeah i mean that's a good question really relevant um i think i mentioned to you when we had a phone call a few days back that this whole issue was like a reason i was thinking of not doing this interview with you um because i was in a moment where i was like i really am not one to speak about this mm-hmm. um but needless to say it's been challenging um for us, I mean, we were, I was surprised. I, I don't think anyone really expected a pandemic like this. And um, even in the early, early days, you know, it was like, oh, that's happening in China, that's happening in Europe. And to see that it's having a huge impact on business here, I mean, it, it was surprising. Um, and then I think once we got kind of um, caught up in terms of, realizing, okay, this is real. There was a big panic. So like, you know, everyone is just like, okay, are we shopping? Are we flying home? Are we leaving, staying? What's happening? It was just like, there were a few weeks where everyone was just kind of in disarray. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for us, one of the biggest challenges is that our consumers are mainly foreigners and tourists. Um, and there are no tourists here right now. Um, and a lot of foreigners, um, you know, maybe because of their companies or whatever, had to go back home. So um, we are probably doing one sixth of the sales that we normally do. So that has like a huge impact because we are a pretty lean business. So, you know, to this point, we haven't raised any money, although we are working on scaling. Um, so we bootstrapped, it's all our own money. It's not like we have months upon months of runway we never anticipated hitting this huge of a of a challenge Mm -hmm. um so so i think that's that's um what's what what's hit us hardest um and then you know you worry about the safety of your employees of your team you've got to kind of i mean i think initially what we did was restructure the schedules to keep our our employees safe and distance from each other and not too crowded in our production space Um, so I think that was the initial challenge. And then I think over the past few weeks, it's like coming to a realization of this is not going to be getting better anytime soon um, in, sale, in terms of sales. And you know we're losing lots of money and uh, my partner and I can't keep throwing money into the business. So some tough decisions have to be made. Um, and they're tough decisions that impact the business, that impact employees. And I mean, it's, I think, for me as a business owner, the hardest part about running the business is that the fact that my employees' livelihoods depend on me. 
mm-hmm. and depend on this. And that's a lot of responsibility to feel. Um, so when we're making those kinds of decisions, trying to be considerate, trying to be, you know, good managers and business owners to your employees while also keeping in mind their safety, while also trying to ensure that a business exists in the future to continue paying them. Um, So, you know, there's a big aspect of communication that goes into it. And I think we haven't done it perfectly, but we're working on continuing to improve that. Um, Also exploring, um, you know, do we fast track coming up with new types of products that can address new target markets um, so that we can try to get some money coming in um, even while our, um, the foreigners and tourists are not around mm. um, and exploring, you know, just completely different models. And, and, you know, you go through all of these ideas and you go through excitement of like, oh, we'll come up with this and we'll do this. And, you know, you get momentum and then a lot of the ideas don't work but that's okay. And you just kind of have to wake up the next day and keep trying because you do have employees. You do have um, a company that you want to keep going. Um, So one of our latest ideas is, well, through our team, actually, um, our production team and our whole team, we came up with a lower cost product. Um, Through kind of a sprint session, we let them experiment with new recipes, ingredients, um, support with coming up with branding and packaging. And now we're looking at having kind of a GoFundMe so that people around the world can donate um, these healthy, affordable bars to women and children and people in need because people are losing their jobs due to COVID um, and also to healthcare workers. So that could be a way to keep us, you know, above water um, while also continuing to have positive impact and do something slightly different from how we normally do business. We're going to make sure to get the link for that GoFundMe page because that I think is such yeah yeah for sure because I think that's a fantastic um, response to the to the you know the dangers that your business is facing and again you know this is one of the things that separates uh, entrepreneurial people from people who are maybe not so entrepreneurial is that you look for solutions and and you know even if there are like you know what you've described is frankly a very very significant threat to your business and like you say it has an impact on the people you're employing Um, but despite that you are looking for opportunities you're looking for ways to try and resolve it and it's you know it's not easy and it's you know there's a there's a spiritual aspect to it as well there's a psychological aspect to it it's very taxing and i i commend you for and, and your team for you know trying to persevere trying to look after the team and trying to you know manage all these these different things you've described. And I think, you know, definitely, you know, we'll have that GoFundMe uh, link up on, on wherever we can share it. We'll try and share it um, to support because I think, you know, a lot of times people think, you know, when they think about businesses, they think about capitalism and there's this kind of negative angle. And there is certainly a lot of criticism that should be, you know, put towards cap- the capitalist system. However, you know, businesses employ people and they, they, you know, they create livelihoods and sustain livelihoods. And if it's a positive business, like, you know, for you, for example, you, your business is a positive business, um, then, you know, they should be supported and, uh, you know, where we can, we'll, we'll try to, to support. And I think, again, it's a, it's, it's, it's a testament to your entrepreneurial spirit that you've actually sat down with your team and done a sprint and tried to figure out solutions. And yeah, you know, marketing to, you know, creating a lower cost product, maybe selling to the local market and trying to keep, keep things moving. Um, I think is really important because, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. Um, 
and I'm sure you have that spirit as well. You know, I think things will get better and uh, it's really, it's really good to hear, you know, the, the, not just the, the good side of business, but also the challenges, the difficulties, the difficult decisions that have to be made. And, and, uh, and, I, and, I, and I thank you for sharing that with us. Honestly, that was, uh, it's very, very insightful. Um, so yeah, so just to kind of finish up, I just, I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, what, what advice you'd give to diaspora? You know, we have a lot of people in our group, for example, or people on our socials who are just, you know, coming out of university or maybe they're in university. Uh, they're in the kind of final stages of, of finishing university and graduating. And they're thinking about where, you know, maybe they have an interest in coming to Ethiopia and getting involved. Is there any sort of any advice or any, any thoughts you'd like to share with them? If you're talking to them directly now, you know, what would you say to them if they have any doubts or fears or maybe they're really excited and they just want to come and they think it's going to be a very easy ride. You know, what, what words of wisdom can you, can you possibly share with them? Um, I think the most important advice I could give is to find a way to be here. Um, I know it can be, you know, it can be scary to, to think about coming to Ethiopia, maybe without something set up in terms of a job or an internship. Um, but if you get creative and if you reach out to some of the networks here in Ethiopia, there's something you can do, whether it's an internship, volunteer experience, but I think most important is being here. I don't think you can create um, a business, a solution. I don't think you can do anything sitting from wherever you are. You need to like really feel what life is and feel the challenges firsthand to, to be able to work on those kinds of things. Um, because I mean, I, I was in that position myself too. Like I, I studied African studies, Africana studies, and university, I was passionate about Ethiopia and you know the issues. Um, but you know, once you're here, it's not all theoretical, um, and you see things differently. Um, and I mean, also from my anthropological background, I think it is important to live somewhere, to live with people, to to gain that empathy. Um, and as soft as a thing like empathy might sound. Um, I think it's key to any kind of business is really understanding your customer, understanding their problems, um, and just understanding what life here is really like. Um, I think the second thing would be, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Um, and like, if you can go into an experience, um and maybe at least for three months spend at least three months in ethiopia um that would be really helpful the first two months are like a wash because you're just like emotionally and mentally drained from all of the challenges um but by the third month that last month is where you'll make the connections you'll find your way around um so you know it's about networks like everything here you've got to be here and you've got to go have coffee, you know, when COVID is over or socially distanced coffee, got to have coffee with people, hear their experiences. Um, you know, I know there's these mala kind of talks and all these things where you can hear experiences of different entrepreneurs, but to be able to engage with people, um, you know, off the camera when, when they're having a good day, when they're having a rough day, there's a wide array of opinions. And I know there are a lot of diaspora here who, or who have returned who don't have the same positive feeling that I do. And 
not everyone is going to, you know, be excited about being here and doing this work. It's not, it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, so be here, have the conversations, spend time, you know, exploring, um, and just be prepared for challenges. But also, if you can, look out for like these positive moments, like where you're drinking amazing coffee all the time, <laughs> you know, where you're connecting with people, where, you know, you're seeing these amazing cultural dance shows, where you're seeing amazing art, where you're noticing that there's kind of an entrepreneurial ecosystem blossoming, blossoming right now. So like, you might want to be a part of that. Like, mm -hmm. so there, I mean, it depends on your mindset and your outlook, but I think there's, there's a lot to be seen and understood by spending some time here. Amazing, amazing words of wisdom. You heard it here first, guys. You know, you need to, um, you need to be on the ground. And I think I, I, I totally agree. It's like learning a language, you know, immerse yourself, immerse yourself in the culture, immerse yourself in the place. And, you know, a lot of times the, um, the view or the perspective of a, of a place is, is vastly different when you're, you know, not there. And so you're hearing kind of things filtered through people's opinions and it's, it's, it's very important to, to, to be there. And I totally agree with that. And even from my own experiences, you know, trying to do business in Ethiopia, you know, people say to me all the time, you know, you can't have one, one foot in London and one foot in Addis. It's not, it's not gonna, you know, you need to dive in. And I think you're absolutely, absolutely right. And, and, you know, again, not everybody has to dive in head first and stay there, commit, you know, pack all their bags. You can do it in stages and, you know, similar, similar to how you've done it, you know, take your time, uh, but but immersion, I, I totally agree with you, is is important. Um, and remember that you know the, the the perspective of, or let's say the the vision of Ethiopia that your parents have, that your uncles and aunties have in the diaspora community, might not be a true reflection of the the state of affairs today in this very moment. And so, um, you know, everybody has their own biases, implicit bias or whatever. You have to experience it yourself. So I, I will definitely second that. Um, and yeah, I think. Um, you know there's challenges but there's opportunities and one of the things i've noticed about ethiopia is that like you say the startup ecosystem is is very strong and it's building and it's blossoming and the network the power of the network is everything it's literally everything and so get involved meet people and it's it's, it's relatively relatively easy to do um, in ethiopia to, to get connected to people that are doing interesting things and making friendships you can learn from them you can you can work with them so I totally agree with you. Uh, Blaine, you've been very inspiring, very, very, uh, very interesting, fascinating story. I wish we could talk for longer. Um, what I was thinking to do, Blaine, we'll have you on a live, an Instagram live at some point in the next few weeks. Uh, so once people have had the chance to, to watch this, I'm sure they're going to be, you know, so many questions and we can open up a Q&A and hopefully have some people ask you questions more directly so they can engage. Uh, but yeah, that's been fantastic. Thank you so much, Blaine. Really, really enjoyed that. Thank you. Yeah, so Blaine, before you go, actually, do you have any samples of any of your products just so that people can see uh, what it looks like? Sure. Um, I always tell people I am really bad at having samples at home because I usually eat them. So <laughs> just along those lines, um, this is a half-eaten loose granola, our oats and white honey flavor. And this nice. is a product flavor. And the cool thing about these jars is that they're actually recycled um, honey jars so that we're encouraging people to ret return these, reuse them, um, be nice to our environment. Um, Amazing. And the other thing that we have is um, our little pivot sprint project, which is um, these new local versions of the bar. And that is actually um, our employee, Helen. Um, she's been with us for three years. So that's an illustration of her. So 
it's like a team labor of love because together we came up with the flavor, the packaging, the branding, and all, and the name even. Um, all okay. I did was like slap it together. Um, a hundred percent. What, what does it say? hundred percent what? hundred percent natural, hundred percent Ethiopian. Love that. I love that. Do you hear that guys? A hundred percent natural, a hundred percent Ethiopian. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thanks for showing us that. It's a really, really nice, really nice product. Take care and all the best. And please uh, send us the GoFundMe link and we'll, we'll do what we can to share that. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Nice one. Take care.